0: Thank you.
1: and this is Born by Accident. Today I have one of my bestest friends slash chosen siblings Cal with me. Say hi Cal. Hi. (laughs) We're just gonna chat about being family but not being family by blood. Cal why don't you tell me or us how we met.
0: Yeah well I'm Cal (laughs) Yeah, I'm 31. I'm non-binary. I met Alyssa 10 years ago. Yeah. About. I was 21 when we met. You just moved to the area and we wanted, I don't know, I was foraging a lot yeah. at the time with an old friend.
1: Not foraging checks. Foraging for food. For, yes, foraging.
0: <laughs> foraging a lot of mushrooms. Alyssa and her family were interested in... uh trying to learn what was on the land and what was on the land they were living on. So me and a friend went up there, and I swear I knew I would this house before, and it was a house I'd actually looked at to rent uh, right before. And I didn't get it, but Alyssa and her family did. Yeah. So uh, all we found was poison ivy. <laughs> so there wasn't really anything to forge around there, but I did notice the three children running around. Oliver was barely still a baby, but... Like, you need a babysitter? <laughs> and
1: I don't know if you asked or if I asked, I was probably dying for a babysitter because since we had just moved here and I was acting like I was 21, even though if it's 10 years ago, I was 33. I wanted to go out and see music all the time and go meet people. Yeah. And so I was probably digging, I think. Yeah. I and I was... wanted to
0: get out of my really strict resort job <laughs> as much as possible.
1: Wait, was that this mysterious uh, resort in Asheville that's very fancy that I can't say the name of?
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's oh, several, okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: People have died in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's okay. Oh, it's very haunted. Oh, my gosh. The second to last episode I did, we recorded in a haunted place.
0: Oh, there we go. Yeah. A
1: theme. Yeah, I know. What's up with that? Maybe, maybe we'll be talking. You know what? You know what it is? The spiritual world is, is with us. Yeah, it's a full moon. Oh, is it?
0: Yeah. And it's a super moon tonight. What does that mean? It's just really close to the earth. Oh, okay. And it's going to be big.
1: When my husband and I moved here, we didn't have any family here. We had one friend that we kind of knew from Arizona that had moved here, but they were kind of like an outskirts friend. And and we did hang out with her a bit, but it didn't really last. Like, we just didn't mesh that well. Cal was one of... Our first solid friends. And by solid, I mean like hanging out with the family, not just hanging out oh, yeah. at the bar.
0: Yeah, I think I started just – I definitely started as a babysitter, coming over at nights, those kind of babysitting things, and then stuff while you ran errands throughout the day. And, and Chris and I would come home. How would we come home at night? Oh uh, Yeah, at night, <laughs> you would come home, and sometimes I'd sleep over, so you'd wake me up and – I tell this story? Yeah, you can tell it. It's fine. Cool. Oh, yeah, I guess you can edit it out. Um, yeah, one night you came home and shook me awake <laughs> and said, uh, "Hey, we're going to have a fire and maybe something about LSD." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds about right. Or mushrooms.
1: It's fine. You yeah. can say any of the things. Cool. I
0: and I was like, "No, I'm asleep."
1: <laughs> yeah, I have confessed to all of my things on the podcast. Amazing. I take no offense to whether or not my friends have listened to it because I kind of feel like it's a diary of sorts. And, like, I'm happy if they do, but also if they don't, I'm like, cool, you didn't read my diary. <laughs> it's fine with me. It's you know. way to look at it. So either way, it's it's fine. So, yeah, if you don't know, I've I've totally been out and completely real about all the things in my life down to smoking crack in Chicago and all kinds of stuff. So something like that is totally fine to say
0: only really done that in Denver.
1: (laughs) Wow. I feel like I did it in one of its hometowns. Yeah, that sounds about right. (laughs) I'm
0: not glorifying it by any means. No, definitely
1: not. Okay, well, LSD is a little bit better than crack, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. It's something you can do.
1: Although I'm not suggesting any drug doing.
0: (laughs) No, it's something I haven't done in a very long time now.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, we're both pretty pretty um like grown up now I would yeah, say I think out. even though I was older I, f- I was thinking about this on the way over here and I was like you know what I feel like we grew up together
0: yeah bit. for sure I think we were kind of even though you had three kids and married and such like that we were on similar pages because I feel like nights that like I didn't have to babysit we definitely had met up a few times out yeah for sure we're both a hot mess <laughs> no not anymore
1: <laughs> yeah but we were we were a hot mess I mean I I'll say I was a hot mess you can say if you were or not
0: no I definitely <laughs> I mean yeah I've, I've gone all, on and off of drinking I mean by the time I was 21 I had uh liver issues
1: oh my god I didn't know that
0: <laughs> yeah D- did you tell me this well, I don't know I mean I just I wasn't even like I don't even think it was really from drinking in some ways like I think I some genetic stuff or whatever. I'm not too sure, but definitely got some blood work done after I started having seizures. And they were like, you're healthy, except for your liver is extremely highly elevated in toxins. So you're not allowed to drink, at least for another five weeks, and then come back and we'll take your blood again. Oh. And they told I was not allowed to take, like, ibuprofen or anything like that. So I had to. Whoa. And I was only 21. So I was drinking, but I was a huge stoner, more than that. But it was like, yeah, right when I met you. Do
1: you still smoke weed? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could.
0: I wish I could just, like, pick all the things I liked out of it. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's too much. And sometimes I'm like, I'm so stoned and I love this. <laughs> I but. can't
1: even fuck with it because I get anxiety. And then the other thing that happens to me is I get insatiable munchies. Like, I will eat a house – I will eat until I'm sick. Like, I cannot stop. It's crazy. And I'm <laughs> like – I. The anxiety is the worst part, but the munchies, they're bad because the second the high wears off, I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? It's so hard on me.
0: No, it's the anxiety.
1: Yeah, for me. sure. Yeah, I really wish that I could. I used to be a huge stoner too.
0: Yeah. I'll wake I up like, and
1: smoke three foot bongs. Yeah, <sighs> I do miss
0: it in some ways. Yeah, I still have friends that smoke regularly and I'm glad I don't hang out with the people that it's their only personality anymore though.
1: Oh, you know what? Like, People say, like, weed isn't addicting and all that. I mean, obviously, we're old enough to know that anything can really be addicting, but I have witnessed multiple people who, if they do not have enough weed to smoke, they turn into total assholes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's, like, there's the people I know that, like, I, yeah, the kind of stoners I think I'm around now are, like, the people I don't even know. They smoke weed. <laughs> they just, like, it's just part of, like, now they hit their vape throughout the day and it just keeps – it's like self-medicating in this way that's something that works for them and their anxiety – like helps their anxiety, does whatever that needs to do, helps slow things down for their brain. Yeah. I don't know. And it's like not really in their personality. Like I think I hung out and lived with my friend Tom for several months and – I met Tom also, me at your
1: birthday party, right?
0: Uh, no. Tom. Oh, dang it. Okay. From Georgia. Okay. um, whose property I lived on in Georgia. And like one day we were hanging out and we started talking about weed. Oh, that Tom. After, okay. Like, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, after months and I was like, I actually didn't even know you smoked. It's like <laughs> I smoke every second of the day.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's um, funny. And wait, you also have been diagnosed with ADHD too, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I ha yeah, my yeah, I have recently. And then as a kid I was diagnosed, um I'm not sure exactly what I was diagnosed as a kid, but I was given Ritalin as at a very, very young age and I hated it. So What's
1: a very, very young age?
0: Six. Yeah. And I hated it. I cried, apparently, Oh, constantly. you hated it? Yeah. It made me feel terrible. But I also... I was so young that I didn't like taking any size pill. Yeah. That's, like, a main part of it. I remember being like, I don't want to, have to take a pill every day. Yeah. Like, I'd still drink child's Motrin. Like, I... Yeah. Can't swallow this. Yeah.
1: So, one of my kids takes Ritalin. Yeah. And was so against starting it, we had to, like, really convince them to... Try it, just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And after the first day, they were like, This is so much better. They're like, I can focus, I can, I can like keep my voice at the level I want. I'm not interrupting people. So, like, kids definitely know,
0: Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: the difference between if it's right for them or not. Yeah,
0: and all medications. So different and like different types of, yeah.
1: ADHD is a huge theme on this podcast, by the
0: way. Yeah. <laughs> like almost, so obviously,
1: you know, it's big in my family. And then, yes. uh, like I've, people I've interviewed also have ADHD and you were talking about people smoking weed for, you know, whatever mental health reasons, basically. Yeah. And I was
0: ADHD a lot. Like that was like one who was? Where, my friend Tom. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, um,
1: you got to stop those wheels turning. Yeah. It's just too much. Mm -hmm. It's too much going on, and it's very hard to live that way. I've been really getting into my stress disorder lately, Mm -hmm. so I've always been dealing with depression and anxiety, but what I'm starting to realize is it's actually a stress disorder that is the main issue. And reading this book that I've talked about a couple times, The Body Keeps the Score Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Bible. It's, the, yeah. So I'm, like, in it trauma. right now, and I'm taking it a little bit at a time because it's, like, textbook, and it's also a little heavy for me to listen to because it hits home. There was another book that did that to me. It was a book on abandonment, and it, it, I hate the title, but it's so good. It's called Love Me, Don't Leave Me.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me
1: this. But list. that book, if you have abandonment stuff, like, I highly recommend getting into that book. It's short. It's got some workbook-y type stuff in it, so it's not too boring I, I don't drink generally. I'm not a sober person. Like, I wouldn't say I'm sober because I haven't had to, like, do that. Mm-hmm. But I just choose not to. Yeah. But what I've realized is that, which, by the way, on my Arizona trip recently, I did I did totally get drunk. <laughs> and it was the first time I counted in five years. And I'm like, whatever. It's yeah. It's not a big deal to me that once in five years I get drunk. But I realized, so when it comes to sex... I have a really hard time relaxing. I cannot get myself down to like a, a base level. I'm like wound up so tight. And even one of my therapists before we were at like, we didn't know what to do with me anymore as far as like getting me in a good headspace. And she's like, can you have a drink? And I was like, I don't drink. And so we just stayed stuck. In that spot. And then I, you know, kind of blamed a lot of this stuff on my partner, which, you know, it takes two to tango. I'm realizing that to meet in the middle, I have to deal with my high levels of stress in my body. And what I am going to do and what I've tried now that has worked is have a glass of wine. <laughs> There you go. I'm like, you know what? If this is what I have to do to make it work, I'm doing it. And it totally works. Like one glass of wine and there, I'm good. Like all my – because when I start off and in the evening or something, you know, there's like – it's in the air, right? You know, my nerves – I could feel like I could run my hand down my arm and they would just like be like a bed of nails. Like Mm -hmm. that's how it is. And so I have to bring myself down somehow. I wish I could use weed, but –
0: Sounds like it's a body keeps the score kind of thing
1: for sure and i think all women have some level of sexual trauma
0: yeah i mean i definitely going through lots of different gender stuff and sexuality stuff in my earlier and i'm i, I identify as just gay now i have a girlfriend and i was born afab so I was born assigned female at birth and so is my girlfriend <laughs> the same Yeah, I've gone through lots of different experiences with people that were just in different levels of intimacy that, like, yeah, it's taken me a long time to feel actually fully comfortable with someone.
1: I cannot even imagine. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: A lot of talking. I mean, I think people don't realize how much talking goes along with sex and asking questions and, like, all the consent that goes along with it is so important. And it's not – sex is funny and it's gross and it's weird and, like (laughs) – uh, it's okay to totally laugh during it and yeah. like adjust, make both people comfortable.
1: Okay, yeah. So I'm just going to say it. So funny, gross, and weird. Recently, you know, like some of the sounds that happen during sex, I'm like, oh, like it's like, it's almost like someone chewing in your ear. Like it gives me that feeling. So I was like, I told my husband, I'm like, we need to have music on. Like I cannot do because it's too distracting but you're so right like the communication that needs to happen and a lot of time if you're a woman in like a cisgendered straight relationship or you're maybe with someone who's sensitive about the topic talking about something you maybe don't like is like impossible because the other person will be too sensitive or defensive about it
0: yeah and that's something that's not your problem if you have the boundary around that it's their problem That they need to respect it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you're conditioned to not know that, which that was my story for a while, Mm -hmm. I have to tiptoe around a man.
0: Mm -hmm. And make sure, you know, making them happy.
1: Oh, my God. I found this old book at the West Asheville Library. They have, like, sometimes some sales and they have, like, these... To me, they feel ancient books, but it was like from the 1930s, 40s, 50s. I I I think 50s would be too late. I feel like 1940s maybe, but it was like how to be a housewife or something like that. And I read through, I was just laughing my ass off. Like some of it, it was like the top tips were like, always look put together when he comes home, never disagree with your husband. Make sure the kids are quiet when he arrives home. Try to anticipate his needs. Oh, yeah. So be a psychic.
0: Yeah, be a psychic. Never show your needs at all. So don't have needs. Just don't have them.
1: You've been so so much of a teacher to me in lots of ways. It's so crazy that you don't have kids because a lot of times when I am having an issue with the kids, I'll talk to you and you have such a brilliant idea about how to deal with it. I yeah. almost wish that you could just be like a fly on the wall all the time. So when these things, we're getting better at it. Because, you know, as, as our kids are becoming like into the teenage zone, you got to be funny. Oh, you yeah. can't be serious all the time because it just, it's too stressful. You have to incorporate humor into most of the parenting stuff you do. Even if it's dorky, like dad joke humor, it's better than no, being yeah, serious. I
0: think- I love watching you guys parent. Why? I do agree with a lot of the things you do and like say and how you treat them just like adults and you talk to them like they're adults. I think it's very cool.
1: You know, I'll give you an example of something that just happened. So the other day, one of my kids had a friend over and their friend was doing something cool with their life. And I looked at my kid. And I'm like, oh, imagine doing that. And I started giving them a little bit of a hard time. And I later on that evening or the next day, I was like, God, I really hate that I did that. Like, I really hate that I gave him a hard time about that. Like they're not enough where they're at. Mm -hmm. So then last night I talked to that child and I was like, hey, that conversation we had when your friend was over and I was giving you a hard time about not also doing this thing. I'm really sorry. That was really terrible. And I, I hope that you know that you're enough without having to add that into your life as well. And they just said, thank you. And that was it.
0: Yeah, and that's so sweet and so important because I feel like a lot of kids don't get that from their parents or any adults. They just sort of like, oh, they'll like not think about it later or whatever, but the things that kids hold with them from such a young age, I think they won't remember something when three years old, but they do. Or they might not exactly know what started that anxiety or anything. I remember stuff from my gender when I was a toddler. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like what? uh going to church and having like growing up catholic and <sighs> you know always having to wear like a dress or something and i remember and i had two older brothers so they got to wear things that i would have rather wear and did like,
1: you try to wear the kind of clothes they were wearing ever or yeah what?
0: and i remember like my earliest me- one of my earliest memories i ever had was like definitely i was toddler aged and there was this denim item of clothing in my closet and I saw that it had like printed chickens on it and I thought that was cool and I did not realize it was a dress. So I was excited when I saw it and then when it got put on me, I freaked out.
1: I could totally see you in denim with printed chickens on it today. Yeah. Like I want those jeans for you or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, a
0: little jacket, a little shirt. Yeah. A little denim shirt with some yeah. chickens on it. Yeah.
1: Do you remember if you
0: asked your parents at all, could I wear other things? Probably definitely. Because even like when my grandma passed away only like maybe about five five years ago or so, I was definitely out gay then, still figuring out my gender as well. But like asked, like, can I, uh, like I want like a suit more kind of things, like nice pants or whatever, like dress pants or whatever. And I was like, you have to wear a dress. Like there's that is the only option. To your
1: grandma's funeral?
0: Yeah. What? Probably like. A little over five years. I don't know. I shouldn't remember when she passed away, but it's been a while. No, it's fine. It was right before my dad died. So, actually, it was probably like seven, seven so years ago. So, did you? Yes. <gasps> that and had to be terrible for you because I knew you then, and there's – I don't think I've ever seen you in a dress. No, I never – I mean, there was a point in my life where I was trying to be more femme because, you know, once I hit, like, later middle school, into high school, I had no, like, tomboy – air quotes, like, tomboy friends anymore, and everyone was really feminine, and it wasn't cute to be a tomboy anymore. Right. And so I didn't have – and I had no representation in my life of queerness or anything different. So, yeah, I just started trying to be more femme. I can totally picture those kids in my school, like the kids who would have been in -hmm. your
1: position. Like, I remember – Yeah, very awkward. The quote-unquote girls, because who knows what they identified as truly – who were definitely wore less frilly things, I'll say. Mm -hmm. And then as we got older into high school, you could see them trying to fit in with the stereotype girl stuff, and it just didn't feel right.
0: (laughs) No, yeah, and I remember, like, my mom being not that long ago telling me, she was like, oh, do you remember that really funny time you fell asleep and all your friends put makeup all over you? And, like was not funny to me yeah that's not funny no and like definitely just like having such a hard time and I guess I owned it for a little while but like I really never felt comfortable and probably a nice solid like well I mean my whole childhood I never felt comfortable I felt comfortable when I was wearing my older brother's clothes I definitely like around the house and like doing whatever around the neighborhood I was really sporty and was playing hockey and like was rough and whatever i could do i don't know
1: what do you when do you think you did start to feel comfortable for the most part i mean i'm sure you still have uncomfortable moments oh probably within like
0: the last year or two wow and
1: is that because of like hormone therapy
0: stuff or is it before that um i mean hormone therapy has helped i definitely still yeah identify as non-binary agender whatever like i don't know terms are weird words are weird but like i just don't identify Within that binary system at all, I don't understand it. But I hate, I hate all the pronouns. I hate he, yeah, him. I hate she. I, I hate just that. was
1: remembering the first time that you had heard of they them. You came and tell me you're like, what is this bullshit?
0: Yeah, I like, I just <laughs> was like, what the fuck's like? And I just wish there were no pronouns at all, like because I don't feel like any of them. But they them works the easiest. It's like, yeah, pronouns that have been created. I mean, I think it's cool. I wish it was easier to incorporate them, but I have A hard time with stuff too, and I still misgender people and I still make mistakes, and like it's still hard, but like, yeah, the them's just like what feels best now. At first, it sucked, I really hated it when I heard people refer me like that. I just never felt comfortable with any of that stuff. And like being on testosterone now and having top surgery will be a year in like a week, and that definitely has helped my dysphoria. Yeah, it took me a long time. Like, I I would always wear, like, the same kind of clothes once I was, like, able to pick my own outfits. I was just, like, plain t-shirts, same pair of jeans I had for, like, years. You know, I'd find that one thing, and it'd fit, and it was good. And then that was, like, all I wore, and I didn't really have any fashion. And now that I've more so discovered myself you have My a style sweetie, yeah caroline is like i can't believe you're such a shopper and i am like i think it's just because i never never was yeah and now i have like i'm like wow i can see myself wearing that and like wow i like i can get this because like i can wear men's clothing and yeah. i feel good and yeah
1: you don't have a, a chest to deal with like,
0: no yeah and yeah. i barely did in the first place oh. so
1: cal and i had the same plastic surgeon yes <laughs> we did and we could have, like, gone in on the same day and just traded because, like, I got implants and <laughs> got got the opposite. But um I feel you on this shopping thing because when yeah. I was – I mean, it's a different situation. But since my body has changed, mm-hmm. I definitely have way more fun shopping now. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, things fit. They look good. Like, I can take – things into the fitting room and most of it works yeah that was never the case before like i could take maybe 20 things in and maybe one would work before Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i feel like i could see like what it would like kind of look like on someone else and then i'd be like okay maybe that'll look like on me and i try it on and then be like
1: no (laughs) and it's fun not miserable
0: yeah yeah and plus men's clothes have big pockets
1: Oh, I so wish we had more pockets in women's clothes. It's so annoying. It's still a thing. It's still yeah. a thing not to have.
0: You're not allowed to bulk up. Or ca- yeah, with your tiny iPhone and wallet, you got to put it in your purse.
1: I still like give my stuff to my husband sometimes when we go out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to carry a purse. Yeah. It's annoying. So I'm like, yeah, you can just hold my card or whatever I need him to hold in his big pocket. Yeah,
0: I now wear a lot of Carpenter shorts because they have all the side pockets and it takes away from the size of my hips with dysphoria stuff. That's like the one thing, like I'm a small framed person, but I have hips. (laughs) Yeah. So wait, did you ever
1: carry a purse?
0: No. Sometimes I'll have like a tote bag or something like that. Because I was going to, I was
1: like, this is a weird thing to wonder, but I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine like. getting used to not carrying a purse like i have a mary poppins bag because i'm a mom too right so and i'm into beauty right now and like and so i have things in my purse to make myself feel as good as possible and then all the mom stuff and i also have a stress disorder so i have extra things in there that normal people wouldn't so i'm the one around like if something happens and you think of something that might be in someone's purse it's probably in mine Nice, yeah. So to transfer that to not having a purse, I would be like, Oh That's what's in my truck toolbox. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd have <laughs> to carry different. a toolbox for yeah. sure. You originally lived in Charlotte with your family when you first moved to North Carolina, right? Yes. And how old were you when you moved to Charlotte? I was born there. Oh, you were born in Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. I but no not. one else in my
0: family was. Like, okay. I was the only one. I'm the only Southern one in my family. My dad was... Born and raised in New York.
1: And you went to church, you yes. said?
0: Yes, we went to Catholic church.
1: you Southern Catholic, Charlotte. hmm And I know that your parents owned a shop. hmm And then you also had to go through, your dad basically had a cancer lifestyle is what I've yes. started to call it when people have cancer for a long time and they have to just deal with it as part of their lives instead of, It's healed or I'm dying. Like it's just part of their lives. So it's like a cancer lifestyle. So you dealt with that for a lot of your childhood too, right?
0: Yeah. He was diagnosed when I was four and he died when I was 24. So 20 years.
1: That is just wild.
0: Yeah. And he had the kind of thyroid cancer where it's usually doctors would say, you'll die with it, not from it. We may not ever get rid of it fully, but he had an extremely mutated form that just kept coming back stronger and worse until it was like in his brain and stuff so like just had a hard last two years of his life
1: yeah so that took a definitely took a toll on your family dynamics
0: yeah and i think my mom for a long time and she's said that this wouldn't shouldn't have been the case but that she just wanted to pretend that everything was okay yeah and yeah that, i get that but like yeah and i don't like we didn't talk about it
1: Remind, I just got like the picture in my head. You know the movie Empire Records? No. Did you ever watch it? Oh, you're so much. It's the, it's the, there's the age difference. But there's this part in the movie where like this girl loses it and she's like, she's mad at this other girl who's like taking Adderall to get through her life perfectly. And she has like a 4.0 GPA. And she's like, it's Renee Zellweger who plays this part. Yeah. And she's like, grabs her pills and she's like, and you're perfect fucking boyfriend and you're perfect grades and she's like freaking out and she's like nothing's okay I feel like maybe your mom needed a few of those moments like everything is not fine
0: probably yeah yeah I mean (laughs) she didn't know she went to the doctor after my dad got diagnosed I mean she had three pretty young kids and went to the doctor about whatever just like a checkup or something but then was talking about anxiety but not using the word anxiety just talking about how she felt how intense everything was and how like maybe like eating stuff, I don't know, like all sorts of symptoms of anxiety. And then the doctor was like, you know, they make medicine for that. Yeah. And she was like, What? They do? Like she had no clue. This <laughs> what? was, like nineteen ninety six, maybe.
1: Oh yeah. I mean I guess I could get it. I think things
0: were just like that really generation. taboo. Yeah. That maybe you're thinking that like, oh, you need to be in a ward to be I oh, like that.
1: My dad to this day thinks antidepressants are addicting. By the way, they're not. No, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> That's not a thing. No. But yeah, so when my ex-stepmom went to take antidepressants, he gave her hell about it.
0: No, I just upped mine.
1: Yeah, I still take mine.
0: Yeah. I actually found out they're why I don't have seizures anymore. Can
1: I ask you which one it is?
0: It takes the talopram, which is the generic of Selexa.
1: Dude, that sounds like a city in the Yucatan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Is that wrong? Was that problematic? I hope not. My medicine uh, would give you seizures.
0: Yeah, see, there's some SSRIs that would. Mine's not an SSRI. Okay. It's Wellbutrin. Yeah, it might be why I'm on SSRIs or why I'm on what I'm on because I did mention that I had seizures before getting it. And um, I was laying in bed next to Caroline the other night and was like, you know, I haven't had a seizure since I started my med. And she was like, what? And I was like, holy shit.
1: I'm so happy. How have
0: I never put this together? I've thought about so many things. Like why – I'm like, am I just, like, less stressed in general, which, like, definitely my seizures are, have been worse during stress. I had them in my sleep, which is extremely dangerous.
1: Wait, I can't believe I didn't just react, like, really big when you said your medicine made you stop having seizures. Oh. Um, it just took me this long to register that you're not having seizures anymore.
0: Well, it's been, yeah, at least I haven't had one in the longest time since That's I started crazy. having That's
1: them. so great. That's such good news. Yeah,
0: it'll be 10 years in October. 10 years since when? Oh, sorry. I had my first one when I was in high school. Okay. And then I started getting them worse in my early 20s. And then I was pretty much having at least a few a year.
1: And you were never diagnosed with anything. No, I got
0: EEGs done. My parents didn't really believe me, especially like- <laughs> <the way laughs> That's just
1: it. crazy. Like, hey, I'm having seizures. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, it's like- oh, What? Like, well, doctors didn't either. I went through EEGs. I was hooked up for like 72 hours. Then I didn't have a seizure during that time. So they were like, I they probably spent so much money trying to get me to get EEGs. We didn't have health insurance then. When they really, like, I had a seizure at my parents' house. Finally, while well, I was in sleep, and I was a pretty early bird, and I was still in bed, really pretty late, into, like going into onto noon. And my mom came into my room, and she was like, "Hey, like still asleep? What's going? Like da da da? You feeling okay?" And I was like, "I had a seizure last night." She's like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, I was like, I need like, because your bladder lets loose when you have a grand mal seizure, ah. you're So I was that's." I don't wet my bed mm. for my mom to believe me. I believe. So like, can we just start believing people? I know. Right?
1: Like, yes, I know there's liars out there, but more like probably 99% of the time, at least when people tell you something, they're telling the truth. So let's just start believing them. Yeah. <laughs> Please.
0: Yeah. So then like, yeah, I got EG's done. I took me, I think it close, to, it took us close to six months to get into the neurologist. He saw me for five minutes. Told me I should drink Gatorade. Wow. And I had a friend in high school die from having a seizure in their sleep. So I was really terrified when it first started happening. Or especially when it started happening in my sleep. I had yeah. a few not in my sleep before that.
1: Well, almost though, I would be, for as your friend, more terrified of you having them not in your sleep. Because you could fall and really hurt yourself. Well, if I have a nice like...
0: scar on my chin from falling out of bed. Oh. But you can, like, stop breathing and, like, you can be on your...
1: Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I didn't think of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can fall and stuff like that. And I've definitely fallen. And yeah, I fell face first like, into a fridge once and then onto the ground.
1: I've had one seizure.
0: How did your body feel after?
1: Fine. Yeah. I was wasted drunk and i was in telluride colorado and in telluride you can take a ski lift up to the top of the mountain where there's a village called mountain village Mm -hmm. and it was a music festival weekend blues and brews it's called oh my god
0: my parents had this poster growing up that was a telluride blues festival blues and jazz festival i loved that poster it was in our living room but then parents lived out there
1: it was probably like oh five or yeah oh four or five or oh six One of those years I went. And yeah, so I had been drinking all day. Now I'm up in the altitude, way up high. I say I'm going to go get my friends and myself another round at the bar and i'm in line to get another round and like as i'm standing in line i'm like you know i think i'm gonna get a water (laughs) i'm not feeling so great and the next thing i know i'm on the ground like opening my eyes to this crowd around me and they're like yeah you just had a seizure and i was like what and i was completely sober now which is weird because like you still have a blood alcohol level right you know how some people say like things will like sober you up I don't really understand that, like what yeah. happens in your body. I've had but
0: adrenaline I was, sober me up before. Me,
1: oh, maybe that's what it is because I was completely 100% sober. And they took yeah. me into some room and gave me like – emergency you know the powder stuff yeah and um I was fine but they told me they're like people don't just have one seizure there's something else going on and when you get home you need to go talk to a doctor but I never had it again so I think they're wrong (laughs) I think I was drunk and I was at a high altitude and my brain just went
0: I think there can be enough stuff and it's like it didn't seem doesn't sound like you probably had like a grand mal seizure where like yeah I don't even know because like one of the first ones I think I had it might not have been one but I was at a party in high school mm-hmm. and I'd been smoking hookah for like eight hours straight all night long oh I wasn't even drinking
1: well like the tobacco hookah yeah yeah
0: and I that's a that lot shit. though oh yeah and then I told someone I, I remember that someone was like said that they were tired and I said yeah I think I'm about to pass out and I meant like actually pass out kids were like you were like shaking a bunch like like kind of like you had a seizure but i don't know when i because yeah i just fell to the ground because when i said i was gonna pass out i meant literally and my friend just meant she was tired and she said yeah i just like fell all of a sudden and then i threw up oh. right in the floor of this party oh and then i heard some girl tell me or just say out loud, like, well, some people can't handle their alcohol. Oh, my goodness. like, what is wrong with people? Yeah, I cussed her out. Straight off seizures, puke on the ground, told me to her to hand me a beard. I'd joke it right now. <laughs> I just <laughs> had a seizure. <laughs> that was my attitude then.
1: Yeah, I, I could totally understand that and relate for sure. When did you start taking the medicine that might have stopped your seizures? Almost two
0: years ago. Two years in October. So you... I haven't had one since. And I had a few this summer before.
1: So can I bring up Barley? Yeah. So this is wild, right? Because you ended up rescuing a dog and you didn't know this when you rescued him, right? No. Or he he was fine for a while. He was
0: fine most of his whole life. And he started having seizures a couple years.
1: No diagnosis.
0: No, I never got one from him. Yeah. He had valley fever, though. Oh, oh he did? I think so. They well, said- that's
1: what I thought. But they said he didn't have it, I thought.
0: Yeah, but apparently, like, they're like, oh, you should have done this test. You should have done that test. Like, you know, people on the internet, whatever. Oh. Uh, but, I mean, I had other blood work done and no fungus thing, which is what valley fever is. It yeah. It comes from the dirt in Arizona. It's like a fungus that, yeah, like the dogs and...
1: Yeah, like it's really hard to have a dog in Arizona and them not get belly fever.
0: Yeah, I think you were the first one to like warn me of it. Yeah,
1: I probably told you before you even went.
0: I think so, yeah. And so I was worried about it. Yeah, because he started having seizures when I lived out in Arizona for a short amount of time. And uh, there was just like one, he had one. And then a couple of months later, he had another. Yeah, And I didn't uh, medicate him at first. I got some CBD. yeah. That you did. tried so hard. Yeah. And then I mean he was on Chinese herbal medicine. He yeah. was on like lots of stuff by the end. Like by the end of it, he was on a ton of different medications. I was giving him stuff seven times a day. He was only ten years old, so he wasn't that old of a dog. And he was the best. Everyone knew was-
1: He oh, he was the best dog yeah. for sure. He was super sweet. Yeah. My kids loved him so much. I know.
0: I felt I have that I just like wish I still had that video of one of your kids just started walking. Yeah. And yeah, Bar- Barley and him were the same age.
1: Oh. That
0: was how I also remembered his Barley's age. age. Well, his age, yeah. Oh, both of them, yeah. Both of them, yeah. Oh. Because they were the same age. Oh. Which I love. I feel like he loved knowing that too. Oh, yeah. They grew that up child of mine loved your dog. Yeah, they grew up together. I mean, I had a, vi- a video on my old computer of when I was just watching him and Barley was with me, of course, because Barley went everywhere with me. I was one of those dog people.
1: You're such a good dog person, though. Yeah.
0: I don't even like dogs, mostly.
1: When or if you choose to get a dog again, that animal will be one lucky creature. Yeah. I don't so know. I I just wanted to bring Barley up, though, because Barley had seizures mm-hmm. and you were still having seizures when Barley started, right? Yeah. So it's just really...
0: Yeah, I knew how he was feeling. Yeah. And yeah, I knew. Do you think there's any like special meaning as far as both of you having gone through that? Maybe. I've heard all these things that like your dogs can end up with your same mental illnesses. If you're a really fucking anxious person, you're going to have an anxious fucking dog. Oh, no. You're a very depressed person. You're gonna have a depressed fucking dog. It is a real thing. If you're maybe a really hyperactive, wildly social person with energy, like it's true. It's
1: oh my thing. god! Because okay, all right. So we have two dogs. You know, you know this, but I'm just telling yes. anyone who's listening. I went and picked up our border collie. She's neurotic. <laughs> And my husband picked out Forrest, who's the most, and Forrest is a Golden Retriever, and he's just like a dumb, happy, wonderful dog.
0: But that is what Golden Retrievers are. Wait,
1: I'm not calling my husband dumb.
0: No. (laughs) But I'm saying like, I picked up- Those are those breeds,
1: I know, but it's just funny that I picked up the Border Collie, and she's neurotic and like, probably anxious- I think maybe that that matches that, me, and then yeah. the other one totally matches my husband in the way that he's like so positive all the time. And
0: yeah, I guess you, yeah, if you were maybe you would be some kind of herding breed in some way, maybe a border collie, and he would be like a golden retriever or a labrador.
1: I definitely would have to agree.
0: And I'd definitely be some grungy mutt from the
1: yes, you would town that has seizures
0: <laughs> and sleeps all day,
1: and I would keep you. Yeah. I would definitely keep
0: you. I mean, yeah, my mom's friend found a lab on the side of the road, like, when we were kids. My mom immediately was like, yeah, we'll take him home. We'll have him. And oh. he ended up having tons of seizures.
1: <gasps> what is this?
0: Yeah, when I was a kid. And we had, like, three dogs at that time. We were a dog family. And I seizures- loved a- I said out earlier, so I'm not a, like, or I don't like dogs that much. But I, I think I've now been surrounded by so many people that are so bad with dogs. Yeah. And I was surrounded with people that are, like, yeah, my family, like, My dad was really strict with them, and, like, I think people, I don't know, will see things as abuse when you yell at dogs or whatever, but I think they need tone, like, and some people are like, no. And I'm like, you can't tell a dog no like that. You got to really show them yeah, that you're, you know, they like, they want to please you, whatever, like, and I, I don't think you should abuse your dogs physically ever and be super mean to them, but, like. You really got to, they want to be loyal. They want to be good.
1: When I was recording yesterday, we had thunder. Oh, nice. Now we have thunder again. This oh, wow! so
0: cool. It's like we live in Western North Carolina. Uh, in July. In the summer. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. We have like a lightning storm like every afternoon, practically almost like Florida kind of for yeah, like the a rainforest. little while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. Smart the deciduous, <laughs> the deciduous rainforest that we live in. Is that what it, I thought it was a temperate rainforest or is that the same temperate thing? Temperate deciduous. Temperate deciduous. Yeah. You're so wise well, so cool. okay I went to college here oh. for a very brief time yes I dropped out yeah I don't know if college makes people wise it doesn't but you're wise you've always been wise well, I took
0: a course called the plant and animal life of the southern Appalachians.
1: that is amazing yeah and I it love
0: was, it my textbook was written by my professor oh so she's really smart we would have that was the first person I ever foraged with, yeah, and I had the book friend. for a long time. She's a Brevard professor from Brevard College, and it was a year-long course because the Appalachians are so different in the spring and in the fall. Oh my gosh! So you had to take the spring semester and the fall semester class. I
1: mean, it's different every all the time, mm-hmm. but that's why the changing. Yeah, that's
0: why the is like that.
1: Okay, so you went from Charlotte to Brevard, mm-hmm. and when did you? Move, how old were yeah. you when you moved to Brevard? And was it because you're eighteen? You moved there with friends. I moved
0: there for college.
1: You moved there for college. I know you met a lot of people there, and you made some good friends there. And then after Brevard, did you move to Asheville then? Nope. What'd you do? I
0: moved to Cullowee, North Carolina. Oh,
1: I'm thinking of Cullowee when I'm th- when you say Brevard. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I'm thinking of the place where you made a bunch of friends that you actually ended up losing a handful of. Yes. That was Cullowee? hmm yeah. yeah,
0: Brevard was like my hiking stoner, you know, we drank whatever. But, like, Cullowee was, like, the partying drugs scene. People just call it Wee, right? Yeah, the Wee. Yeah, W H E. Um, yeah. And Silva is the town that's next to it. It's a bigger college. Brevard College is tiny. When I went there, there were 700 students at that whole college. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, tiny, tiny, tiny college. You knew everyone, wow. basically. It's a great school. Is New it New a well. community college, or is it? No, it was in the 80s when it was opened. But it became a four-year school Wow! at some point. And That's really
1: cool to go to a four-year school that has that small of a population. I feel like it would be I really... It's what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because I was sure.
0: terrible in high school. I just wasn't a good student because, well, I'm dyslexic and I wasn't diagnosed until I was 25. So I went through all of my schooling. in a nightmare. out college. I mean, I was given... Well, I was given Ritalin. Mm-hmm. And I was also given... Uh, There's our thunder again. Yeah. And I was given reading glasses when I was eight years old, <laughs> despite the fact that no one in my family, genetic wise, had ever needed. Reading I don't glasses. mean to laugh, but no, that's just it's just
1: like I have a dyslexic child, too. And like I cannot imagine someone giving this kid reading glasses and
0: being like, they're all better. They're like, oh, you can't read. I can't see anything, I guess. So, yeah, that was my experience at school. I was a super anxious child. I, I've never raised my hand once in a classroom. I never wanted to be called on. I figured out later that I was having a panic attack almost every day in my childhood in school. So picking a college that literally the class courses were 10 people. Wait,
1: wait. You just said earlier that you've just become more comfortable in your who you are. Mostly in the last year or two, you've also stopped having seizures in that same time. Yeah. So maybe this whole panic attack situation led to those seizures that you were having, like it was an emotional, mental stress. Yeah, probably. And now that you're getting more comfortable.
0: Seizures definitely happen with more stress. And I could tell what happened more when I was probably more stressed out. But they didn't start until I was in high school. And so, but that buildup of all that stuff, you know, could have definitely been it.
1: Stress is so bad for us.
0: Yeah. My mom would always say, if you're really stressed out, it's worse than smoking two packs of cigarettes a day.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you because I just had that connection I had uh, to share. Yeah. And you went to Cullowee for a different college. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. There was like, I started looking at the majors they had there and I because it's a huge school, Western Carolina University is there. Uh-huh. And I started making a bunch of friends there. It was only an hour drive. I started driving there all the time, like on the weekends. And whenever I could, I drove to Cullowee because I just had all, like, had all these new friends there and mm-hmm. was experimenting with drugs.
1: Did you feel accepted? by this group yeah more than any group the weirdos, before. yeah
0: total weirdos artists musicians like we just had so much fun and but definitely was like substance
1: that same thing connected yeah
0: but you know i still have some of those friends some of them are not alive anymore yeah. some of them yeah i'm still close with and still talk to Casper's one of my best friends and we met at Prevard college but casper didn't go to brevard college they're visiting their best friend from high school and we met because we were rollerblading on Brevard College's campus late at night, separately, at like midnight. And we ran into each other. Because oh. we were, rollerblading is cool now. It's hip and cool now, but it was not 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. It was kind of geeky. Oh, Casper's the first person to be like, I know you're curious about being gay. Oh. Well, maybe the second person, because my cousin Jenny, which I didn't finish with this part of the story. Okay, again, so... What well, at my grandma's funeral, my cousin Jenny, is straight. Or like I don't yeah. She's been in a relationship. She's on with that end of the Spectrum for a long time. Yeah. But she's always had short hair. She's got like sleeve tattoo. I thought she was so cool when I was younger. I still think she's like the coolest. And she lives in Brooklyn. She was born and raised in New York. My dad's side of my family. And when she was 18, she got chaos tattooed to her chest. Like, and I thought it was so cool. She's the first person that taught me anything about philosophy. Chaos meant the chaos oh, yeah. theory. She's told me that she's wanted to get it covered up already. But she's been so cool to me. And I remember we were visiting somewhere or wherever. I don't even know where we were. And I was 14 years old. And we were walking up a trail. And she was talking to me. And she's like probably like 10 or 11 years older than me. So she was early 20s. And she was like, so you got a boyfriend? And I was like, no. And then she was like, well, you think you're gay? And I was like... No. (laughs) Like, I was like, what? And she was like, it's cool if you are. And that was probably the first any kind of representation of conversation like that anyone's ever had with me. But then she, at my grandma's funeral, wore this badass black suit.
1: Oh, my god! And I was like,
0: Jenny's got a boyfriend. Jenny's wearing a cool-ass suit. Yeah. Why can't I wear a cool ass suit? Those are the two first people that really like made a connection to seeing maybe my queerness before I something. did something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like I, I remember I have another friend who I was I totally knew, and he, I remember him coming to me. He's like, I gotta tell you something, and I was like, Are you gonna tell me that you like boys? He's like, Yeah. How did you know? I'm like, Dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like really interesting how the outside observer kind of can know sometimes before. Yeah. I think, I think it's just a denial, or what do you think that's about?
0: I don't know. There's so much homophobia even within gay people.
1: Yeah. <gasps> oh, I...
0: I mean, I have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so. I'm,
1: I am have sexism in me.
0: Yeah. We all have sexism, racism, yeah. homophobia. We can't avoid it no matter... Hopefully one day it will be avoided because it won't be socialized as much, but at least our generations have been so socialized, especially, like, I think the sexism and gendering has a long way to go oh yeah i saw a little boy's sweatshirt that said something ridiculously grooming and sexualizing you know straight sexualizing but
1: yeah or like when they see little boys and they're like he's gonna be such a heartbreaker
0: yeah oh it grosses me out yeah i might as well be like he's gonna be such a faggot
1: yeah <laughs> oh my god i
0: don't know if that word a lot on here
1: well you're gay so i guess you can say it my i grew up with that word in my household
0: yeah, my brother called me that word in front of my family when I'd only come out to him. Yeah, he was the first one that came out to And when I came out to him, I didn't have to say it. We got in a huge fight and I called him an asshole. And then we were making up or saying, sorry, blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, and I do want to tell you something. And then he was like, I think I know.
1: Your family wasn't so
0: great when you came out to them, right? I just took a long time to come out because I like was really not, I had never really had any serious relationships for a long time. Right. And so I didn't really see the point because I'm like, if I was straight, I wouldn't have to be telling my family who I'm sleeping with. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, the whole coming out thing is kind of crazy to me. It's a stupid thing unless like, I was like, when I have someone important in my life, like, I'll do it then. Like, whatever. I don't know. And like, everyone kind of knew. My cousin came out. She's been a huge help for me because she's a couple years older than me. She's the cousin you met. She's two years older than me. So when... She came out, she was like 20 and I was 18. And this is like when I first met Casper and my friend that like, well, I was like definitely going to be down to explore my sexuality. And I knew that at that point, but I didn't really know. I mean, Casper was one of the first open gay people I'd ever met. Yeah. I didn't meet any. Or if I did, I didn't know. And I worked in a theater and my (laughs) whole family was surrounded by the community theater in the South though. So, and it was a children's theater, so... I know now that two of the men that worked there were gay, but were they allowed to have their partners around? No. Were they ever allowed to say that to the kids? No, they would have been fired. Yeah. Definitely. Instantly. Been fired. Yeah. And my parents would have been probably totally fine with that. Yeah. But yeah, when my cousin came out, my mom said how embarrassed she was for my aunt. And my mom's come such a long way. And I think if I told her this, which I've been thinking about- She'd be sad about it now. She Yeah. She would almost not believe that she said it. Yeah. Because I'm sure it just is just like a naturally slipped out kind of thing. Yeah. And saying stuff that like, yeah, she would never have kids. Da-da-da. My cousin now is married with a kid. Lovely little family. And it's yeah. very accepted in our family now. And definitely like her wife is one of my favorite family members we have.
1: Yeah. I could go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in my life. Where my head was at with this stuff was completely different too. Mm-hmm. Especially growing up how I grew up. Yeah. I mean, I used to tell racists joke and homophobic jokes because my dad told them Mm -hmm. and then we all laughed at the dinner table and then I took them on and I would tell them because that's I didn't know any different I really did not get exposure to anything else and I credit this and I've talked about this in the podcast I actually think one of the things that helped me get out of that mind frame and into Another one was psychedelics Yeah, because I always wonder why none of the other kids were able to push through that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and why was I able to? I mean, there's a lot of variables, but I was the only one who went and I did unhealthy things, but part of my growing up was doing LSD and mushrooms and stuff like that, and I do remember one specific time on LSD, I had done like six hits in one night, not all at once, and something just broke open in my brain, and I saw things in a different way, and I learned to start questioning everything I had been taught mm-hmm. um, so when you were able to start questioning things like in coming out, you still weren't comfortable with yourself
0: No, yeah, I mean I still yeah I'd have like little relationships with friends, and we were just
1: like male friends or girlfriends. No.
0: Yeah, uh friends. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I didn't know because when yeah. you
1: know, when I first met you, you had a boyfriend. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, kind of. I never really made it. Well, he called out. himself your boyfriend. <laughs> I'm sure he did.
1: When did you finally move to Asheville?
0: 2013.
1: The same year I did. I
0: moved here and I turned 21 like the next week.
1: And you had no blood relatives here? No. And you did have friends mm-hmm. in and the I town? Been, yeah, in yeah.
0: Asheville for a long time, like in and out because Bavard right. is only 35 minutes away. Silva. 50 minutes away like I'd lived in the area right in western North Carolina for a while
1: and I'm sure Casper feels like family to you as well right and you have a handful of other people I'm sure that feel that way but when you feel so kind of rejected by your own blood family you have create your own because we are creatures that need family and need that kind of community right Yeah, we
0: need connection We're the most, we're extremely social animals. Right.
1: No, I think it's raccoons too. If they are left alone, they'll just die. They have to be with a family. Mm -hmm. You were creating your own family. You didn't maybe know exactly that you were doing that, but you were, right? Yeah. And then I had moved here at the same time knowing no one. Mm -hmm. And so I was really latching on to anyone who
0: would be a part of my world.
1: Yeah. And that was hard with three kids in the house. Yeah. But you were cool with that.
0: Yeah, I wanted to be there not just because you were paying me but i loved getting to know you guys
1: it yeah. always blows my mind when people enjoy me <laughs> it's i mean I'm, i now it doesn't but back then during that mm-hmm. time i'd be like what like it was uncomfortable for me i'm like why did you like i one of my other long-term friends she met me when my two youngest were in preschool here and as soon as she met me she said we're best friends now And I was like, uh, okay. Like that feels really weird to me. Like I don't, but we are still like really good (laughs) friends to this day.
0: Yeah. I'd always have a hard time trusting that people actually liked me. Right.
1: I don't know what it was about you and my family or you and me, but I've really enjoyed growing up with you and moving through some of the more toxic stuff you and I have had to work out in our own lives Mm -hmm. and watching you become who you are now and vice versa. I'm sure. Yeah. You feel like a sibling to me. I mean, I have one half-sister and a half-brother who I am in contact with. And my half-sister I'm pretty close with now. But not, I mean, I haven't spent as much time with her as I have with you Yeah, as adults.
0: Yeah, I see you more than anyone in my blood family.
1: You're actually going to meet them on Thursday, which is cool. Yeah, and cool. I don't know what this whole experience of the last 10 years of my life would have been like without having you as my sibling around.
0: Yeah, I know. Having y'all as a family has changed. I mean, I feel
1: like we've, tell me if I'm wrong, because you've been this to me too, but I feel like we've been each other's rock a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. I've definitely come to your house crying. yeah and been so upset and you just and and same sistered me sibling to me
1: same well, like yeah. and i know there was times when i probably had a little more ego about it and i was i'm the big sister here but yeah. that really got shut down quite a few times with your wisdom because i was like oh shit cal <laughs> knows some stuff i need to just stop because you know i'm the oldest it just comes with the territory
0: well like, i'm also the youngest yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've been able to fit that if we were probably both the oldest we'd probably not be here today. no way no way
1: well, we both have, like, if you get into astrology at all, we both have Taurus and Capricorn at our charts, too. Yeah, we're the opposite of yeah. each other.
0: I mean, not the opposite, technically, but, you know. You're I'm a, a Capricorn, Taurus, Taurus moon, Taurus rising. And I'm a Taurus, Capricorn, Capricorn. <laughs>
1: so wild. I forgot. I
0: don't know the rest of your chart, but... I don't
1: either. Oh. I, it's actually on the Instagram for the podcast. It was the first thing I posted. No, I, I was know, like, that up. if anyone wants to go look at that wild thing, I don't even know See how if to... if you can trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do what you want with no, it. No, I'm just
0: like earth and fire. That's all I have in me. I don't have any air. I have a little bit of water. Do
1: you think reincarnation is real? Yeah. I mean... Some sort of way? Yeah. Because know. if it is real, surely you and I had some connection before.
0: Yeah, I believe that. Which, if... I... I was born later than my IV. I think
1: you were my grandpa before. (laughs) Yeah. It feels that way. Yeah. I feel like I could pretty much tell you anything at all and it's fully held space for. Yeah. I think
0: we can have no filter around each other.
1: And you'll tell me if I'm being fucked up about something.
0: Yeah, I will.
1: You'll make it uncomfortable if it needs to be uncomfortable. (laughs) Have I done that to you? Probably. It needs to be done to me because with that oldest shit I grew up with in my head, and I really did, like I was four years older than the next sibling. Yeah. And then lot. there was a bunch below me. So I really felt so wise compared to the rest of the kids in the house, you know, so I had to, of course, it's good for me to get knocked down a little bit here and there.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I was always, yeah, you felt important to me because you actually listened to me and take value what I say when I've been mostly talked over most of my life, especially in my blood family because I'm the youngest. So people like, it's like, oh, it's not important because you don't, you don't know any better. Oh my gosh. I might as well. I felt lots of dinners even as an adult where I'm surrounded by my extended family, not even just my immediate family because I'm one of the youngest in my extended family as well. Or I try to say something and it's not heard at all or just completely interrupted and ignored. Ignored.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're different. Yeah. And so it doesn't count.
0: Different and younger.
1: Yeah. So this is interesting. I just can't talk too much about it because I don't know who may listen. But on my husband's side of the family, which is big, there's a handful of people who don't agree with some of the values our family holds. Mm -hmm. Not a lot we can do about it. I mean, it's a big family. We've got tons of family events in the future. So it's just you got to roll with it as best as you can. But you know, if my children start to get hurt from it, I'm going to have to Exactly. We've had conversations, mm-hmm. not me and my kids, but me and the people on that side of the family, and it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. What can you do? Say bye. Well, you could, except for there's too much family, and yeah. there's family that we love, and it would create more stress and more drama yeah, to right. go no contact with those people.
0: Yeah. Or you just see them in the passing of events. Don't talk to don't, each yeah, other. You just don't, don't get yeah. into it. Yeah. You just yeah. Have, a, like, you have to be like, well, this is the boundary. It's really hard
1: as a my mama bear, my mama lion inside of me wants to come out and destroy people who do not support my children. Mm-hmm. Like, I just can't. I, it's so hard for me to like, we're going to play a board game and everything's going to be fine. And I'm just like,
0: <clears throat> no, I'm really protective over my yeah family members.
1: Is there anything you would want to say to people about making people who aren't your blood relatives family. I mean, like, cause we, I mean, you've spent Christmas with us. Yeah. I mean, you Twice. really, you really are family mm-hmm. to our family. It's not just, yo, we're close friends and like, you're my fam dude. No, you really feel like, yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't have any family or any family feeling. How do they... How do they choose the right people or how do they move from having friends that feel close to creating a sense of family in their life? I mean,
0: just being like a loyal ass bitch <laughs> and like, you know, when you're like really feel something for people and have that intimate connection with someone where you will feel so comfortable with them and letting them know you're there. And if you can be, if you can't be, that's okay. But when you find that time and find those feelings and know that understanding that people can't always give you a hundred percent, but you can take up the rest of that percentage for them and then they can do that vice versa for you later. And just always finding those people where they will do that for you. Yeah. And the people that won't, then you don't have to make the time for them if you don't want to. Yeah. If you ever have trouble with
1: a person, like if you and I have had a disagreement or something, we get over it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think maybe like three or four times we have very mild, tense moments. Yeah. But it's usually because I'm being stupid and you're being smart and then I learn something and it's fine.
0: No, yeah. We're just like having a discussion <laughs> and a debate and sometimes, you you know, you're not going to agree with everyone. You're
1: or... generally always right, though, when we're in that situation. It makes me feel weird. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs>
0: I mean, we have to
1: learn from the younger generations. And I'm yeah, i am not trying to put that big sister thing on you, but you are younger than me. Mm-hmm. And you do have more knowledge of a more progressed generation. Mm-hmm. So you teach me in those ways.
0: Yeah. And your kids have been teaching me too.
1: Aw. And sure. you've been helping my kids so much too. Yeah. Because, um, like I've said before, I have at least one kid in the queer community. And to have an adult around that they can relate to and identify with has been vital to them feeling secure in themselves. It had to be meant to be. Yeah. It just had to. There's no other way of understanding or explaining it, how we became so close. And then my kids needing someone like that in their lives. Mm -hmm. It was just perfect.
0: Yeah. It's been real special. I love you. I love you.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everyone. It's been really fun to sit and talk with Cal. If you want to talk to Cal about anything, you can email me at bornbyaccidentpodcast at gmail.com and I will pass it on. And if you want to sit and talk to me, also just email me there and let me know, and we could talk about whatever you want. You could follow me on Instagram at bornbyaccidentpodcast. Love you guys and have a great week. Bye. Bye.